Hey there, guys and ghouls. You're tuned in to Broadcast from the Belfry, a podcast for the morbidly curious and highly caffeinated. I'm not very caffeinated, but have had a lot of fluids today. My name is Sanjay. I just had to deal with OBS being the worst in across the internet in another state, not in the car that just dro- drove loudly by me, <laughs> is Georgia. How are you doing today, George? I've been up since four something, and here we are, and it's great. Can't stop, won't stop. Amphetamines are a heck of a thing, dude. You gotta stop doing meth in your free time. It's all that crack cocaine you guys keep talking about. All the crack cocaine. Stop shaking your ice near the microphone. You're terrifying oh. the listeners. My bad. There's, Deal with it. There's millions, millions of upset listeners uh, on a closer <laughs> part of the internet to me. Holding a thing is Hope on the ones and twos, fact checking and general internetting. Hope, how are you doing today? I'm good. I have a very cute uh, stuffed plague doctor that you got me, and it's very cute, and I'm going to post it. I'm excited. Do it. Awesome. I'm glad you finally came. I ordered him, like, a long time ago. Um, I had something I was going to open up this episode with, but I totally forgot. Oh, I'm glad that... uh, I'm sorry that we didn't have a live episode for you or like a more live episode and you guys had to listen to something a little bit older, but I'm glad you finally got to hear my thoughts on the chilling adventures of Sabrina because it's not a like bad show by any means. It just upsets me that it is the way it is. So if you get enjoyment out of it, that's cool. No, like that's not bad. You know, you love what you love. Yeah. I was you were just really ex- passionate in that episode. And it I does, was. It does sound like you hate it. I don't hate, you it. don't hate it. I don't. I hate so few things. I get like very um, into things and I get very emotional and like very like passionate about things, but I yeah. don't know if they hate them. So yeah, it like, it just wasn't what I was looking for. It was kind of, it had each of its feet in one, in two different pots. And I just wish that it had both of its feet in one pot. And that was my issue with it. But a lot of people enjoyed it. It got a bunch of episodes so clearly it made Netflix a ton of money. So, you yeah. know, if you liked it, you're you're great and I love you. If you didn't like <laughs> it, you're great and I love you, you know. But speaking of loving you, dear listeners, uh, what I are we talking about today? <laughs> no, wait. Okay, hold on. I have two and a half updates. Ooh. Slash notices, slash reminders. It's two whatever. and a half more than I thought we were going to have at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> One is that it's our first official episode of Spooky Season, even though the last episode was technically our first episode of Spooky Season. I did notice that getting in the scary spirit, the number of Trump signs on our road has now increased to 15. Ugh. So we're up, Yikes. what, four now? Uh, there were eight when we first moved but um, now there are 15. And the best part is that further down the road, like past our house, so not on my normal counting route, but on the way to the coffee shop, there is a new Biden sign that has been put up. And it might be the only Biden sign in the county, but it is huge. It is just the biggest Biden sign you've ever seen. And it makes me really happy. It's good. Um, my second issue that I need to bring up, because it is spooky season, you are running out of time to watch Lovecraft Country, so do that. You know the drill by now. And my second and a half thing is super serious. Why has no one made a Scooby-Doo themed escape room? And if they have, why has no one told me about it? 
Dude, so I... And uh, if they haven't, don't steal my idea. Oh, yeah. If you steal... If you make a Scooby-Doo escape room now, we already have the intellectual property rights to it, and I will sue the shit out of you. I know so little about how the law works as a whole, but I know for a fact that I can sue you for intellectual property rights. That's like the one the one day that I was awake in my law of mass comm, law of mass comm class. So, yeah, don't do that. And for Halloween, my D&D group has been on hiatus because one of the members gave birth to a human being. So uh, congrats again, Jess, on doing that, I guess. Um, I'm proud of you. You did good, champ. Um, But we're going to do a Halloween session with her. Like, we're friends with her husband's cousin. I went to high school with her. No, her, yeah, yeah. Her husband's cousin is dating one of my friends from high school that dated one of my other friends in Manhattan. Really small world. So we're all going to do a like a Halloween session. And I gave them two choices. It was either you make your character sheets or I make your character sheets. And if they made them, then which is what they chose, then they're going to do what they're going to do. And I'm not going to say it now because it's a surprise. But if I got to make the character sheets, I was going to make a fantasy um, Scooby-Doo episode. And it was going to be so much fun. It's still going to be fun, and I'm excited for what they're going to do. But they could have been Scooby-Dooing. So, yeah, if anyone wants a loose outline for a... They made the wrong choice. You did. Uh, yeah, if anyone wants some, like, notes for that, let me know. I got you. I was so sure that everyone was going to be lazy and choose for me to make the sheets, so I put more energy into that one. But it just means I have to put some energy into something else, you know? I'm excited. Are you ready to get spooky? I'm hungry, but yeah. Are you not eating spaghetti today? No, I'm not. I don't, I'm not eating anything. I got off of work, took a shower, and then we started recording. There was zero minutes for spaghetti. Zero spaghetti minutes. Okay, well, it is officially spooky season, so we're going to be talking about all things headless. Hmm. I already have a reference. I'm excited. Wow, look at me. Pop culture aficionado, Sanjay Baker. Okay, I'm going to start off with uh, Gawain and the Green Knight from Arthurian Legends. So nice. figure out what that makes your accent. Some pompous British shit. Who cares? Yeah, I don't and know, man. Put your seatbelt on and uh, let's go for a ride. I want to sound like the table, you know, like the okay. table that is round that the knights sit at. That's what I want to sound yeah. like. <laughs> That's also what my parents probably wish I sounded like. Quiet. Because you'd be quiet. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Gawain is a knight of the round table. And one day, this other dude, this green knight, strolls up to the round table and he's holding an axe. And he says, he gives him a challenge. And he says, that any knight can take a swing as long as it can be returned in one year and one day. And Gawain's like, Fuck yeah, dude, I got this. So he cuts the Green Knight's head off, you know, pretty standard. But then the Green Knight just picks his head up and says, Cool, bro, you're in a day. Meet me at the Green Chapel. <laughs> and Gawain's like, nice. What just happened? Meet me on the playground. I'm going to beat your ass. <laughs> so time approaches. Gawain sets off for the Green Chapel and he stays at this castle nearby until the day of. And this castle is owned by a guy named Bertilak. Dumb name. 
Bertolac. Oh yeah, we have a dumb name. Sorry if yeah. any of our listeners have the name Bertolac, but you know you've probably been shamed enough that you changed it by now. So, <laughs> right. so he decides he's going to give Gawain a series of tests, mostly about his honor, I guess. So anytime he goes hunting, he sends his wife to try and seduce Gawain, but he never gives in. Good guy, Gawain, you know. And on New Year's Day, he G-G-G. goes to the chapel. GGG where the green knight is like all right it's my turn to cut your head off now i guess and he wait he spoiler asks, alert for the movie that's coming out soon hope what's the name of the movie the green knight sweet if anyone wanted to watch the movie the green knight just fast forward like a couple well, minutes the story is centuries and centuries old so uh, hey i didn't know who the green knight was until i watched the trailer for the movie so Woof. some of well, us aren't from a fucking lighthouse on a on a sea crusted <laughs> coast some of us are from georgia that's, that's it <laughs> some of us uh, aren't georgia we're from georgia <laughs> so the green knight acts like he's gonna cut off Gwen's head but he feigns his first two axe wings and on the third one he just gives Gawain this little tiny scratch on the back of his neck or whatever and then it's revealed that the green knight is Bertolach who was put under some kind of bewitchment by Morgan Le Fay as a way to test both Gawain and Arthur. I don't really know what information she was hoping to get out of it. It sounds like a dumb test but that's what happened. Yeah, that sounds I'm not in charge dumb. of history. In my or mythology. In my head, as you were telling that, I envision like the Green Knight is like seven feet tall, you know, and he's wearing this yeah. like very heavy armor. And he's got this gigantic like eight to ten foot like axe, and he like hoists the axe over his right shoulder, and he cr- he like slings it down across his body, and he narrowly misses, but he like adjusts his grip at the last second, and like lifts the axe again over his left shoulder and crosses again and misses and as the axe is about to hit the ground he lets go and leans forward and then kisses the (laughs) guy on the head on the forehead like and then he just whispers in his ear gotcha bitch yeah exactly and then he leaves like i thought that's where this was going and i was like wow weird fanfic man that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) like i'm here for it do you have doula hands on your list yeah that's literally what i'm gonna talk about right now hell yeah dude that's the only information i have Let's pop some knuckles, you know, snap necks, cash checks, do it. Cool. So the Doolahan is an Irish legend known as the original Headless Horseman. And this might be where the stereotypical image of a rider holding its head underneath its arm comes from. Um, Here's what good old Wikipedia has in terms of describing the Doolahan. Also, we're not the... giving you money, Wikipedia. You can stop standing outside my window at night. Please leave my kids alone. I don't have money to give you. I gave you everything I had. Please, just leave us alone. The mouth is usually in a hideous grin that touches both sides of the head. Its eyes are constantly moving about and can see across the countryside even during the darkest nights. The flesh of the head is said to have the color and consistency of moldy cheese. The Dullahan is believed to use the spine of a human corpse for a whip and its wagon is adorned with funeral objects. It has candles and skulls to light the way. The spokes of the wheels are made from thigh bones. 
and the wagon's covering is made from worm-chewed paul or dried human skin. It's like paul as in the cloth that goes over a casket, like paul bears, you know. And the ancient Irish believed that wherever the Dullahan stopped riding, that someone there was going to die. And it calls out their name to draw the soul of the person out of their body. And then that person just immediately dies. And uh, some people believe that gold can make it disappear. But it just sounds like a reaper to me. A cool one, though. Yeah, and one that has bills. Like, gold will make almost any problem go away. Literally anyone that says money can't buy happiness does not have enough problems because most of mine would just be gone if I had gold. He just has this job, you know, because he had a gambling problem in life. And after he died, they were like, you have to be a Grim Reaper to pay off the shit, man. And he was like, I mean, can I keep my head, though? That's the one thing I request. And they were like, well, shouldn't have told us. Dropped off his head. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. Uh... Okay, in 1897, Sir Walter Scott, who is a dude, translated a poem from German to English, and it's called The Wild Huntsman or The Chase. And most scholars think it's based on a Norse myth, but it's a poem about a guy who is the keeper of the royal forest, and he's a big dick. And he is a big dick, not he has a big dick. Maybe he does, I don't know. He might. It doesn't say in the poem. It, it probably is. You just have to flip the poem over. That's where all the fun stuff comes out. And he's all about the chase. This is from the Middle Ages, and you, you, you can tell it's antiquated because a lot of the reason why he's described as being bad is because he still goes hunting on Sundays and other days that are supposed to be just dedicated to religious worship. He's hungry. Yeah. And he was also just an asshole to the peasants who lived in or around the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, he probably beats them up for fun and like refuses to denounce white supremacists on live television, whatever. Yeah, like you do. Uh, <laughs> it's, people... v- it's very difficult, though, in his defense. It's very difficult. Yeah, it's really hard, I know. Yeah. Uh, people claim that after he died, they could still hear him yelling. I forgot I wrote that in my notes because I wrote that in, like one that was very relevant. So I was just <laughs> reading it and I was like, wait, what? Oh, I wrote that. Okay. Uh, the people claim that after he died, they could still hear him yelling and his dogs barking and his horses galloping all around the forest. So he's just a ghost doing the same shit he did in life because he liked it so much, I guess. I don't know. But this was like one of the main huntsman, horse rider, ghost tales from Europe that would have came over to the States um, with, you know, all of the settlers over here. So... Moving to the Headless Horseman, society's historical fascination with beheading, some people think is symbolic of anxiety surrounding male castration, like Sigmund Freud. Yeah, that was one of his theories. Um, And then other people think that it's just a representation of the past haunting you, and like the past is seeking retribution, basically. But why, how is the past trying to get you when you're just trying to get ahead? (laughs) yeah think about that think about that everyone you can leave now the main event the moment you've all been waiting for the legend of sleepy hollow america's first ghost story was published in 1820 do you want to talk about how i'm an idiot now or do you want to talk about how i'm an idiot later 
Uh, now, please. Uh, okay, so, like, two weeks ago, before we knew that, like, the internet was just gonna disappear in the entire state that George is in, she, we were, like, about to record in a day, and we're all super excited because we love recording and talking to you guys. It's a highlight of our week. Uh, it's that and Chili Tuesdays, and, uh, Georgia was like, hey, when's the last time you watched Sleepy Hollow? And I was like... Well, I've only seen one episode when I was in high school with one of my exes, and that was it. So, like, it's been a while, but I've seen, like, a little bit, and Hope was like, I think she was talking about the movie, and I was like, I don't think so. And Georgia said, <laughs> well, I was talking about the movie, so I guess that answers my question. And the dunce cap slowly lowered from the ceiling and gently <laughs> placed itself on my head. And from that moment forth, I knew not of intelligence. I knew not of Sleepy Hollow. I was just big dumb boy, just rolling around on the floor, trying to figure it out. Um, so yeah, yeah that's ha- that happened like two weeks so, ago. Still stupid to this day. <laughs> we don't shame people for their kinks, but we shame people for not watching certain Tim Burton movies, including that one. So shame on you. Uh, but yeah, Sleepy Hollow, America's first ghost story was published in 1820 by a guy named Washington Irving. That's a dank name, man. Right? I like it. He's no, uh, Lucius, what's that guy's name? Luke Luke Youngblood. There we go. He's no Luke Youngblood, but I was going to say Lucius Mudflap, which is my (laughs) D&D character's name when I was playing with Stu and Georgia. I thought you were trying to say Lucius Malfoy, and I was like, uh, no, 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 my bro. my D and D character. Was Got it. What I was thinking of. So Washington Irving was born in New York in 1783, and he's known as the first American man of letters. So Sam and Dean can fuck off because they thought they were cool about it, thinking they were men of letters but washington irving was there first so obviously he hunted demons in his free time when he wasn't busy doing author things i guess i don't know i actually googled it because i wanted to know what it really meant and it just means um it's the term that they used before they called people intellectuals i guess i think it lacks a real like the term intellectual just lacks something that man of letters really has yeah i prefer a learned gentleman personally but i guess man of letters it also just sounds like you're a postman but a postman is the most honorable man the most honorable person I think, in the country i also think that that has something to do like when you get your phd or something and maybe it's not so much over here anymore but in the uk i think like you still get letters when you complete like a graduate degree or something yeah you do here too you get a phd that's three letters (laughs) you heard it here first georgia can't count to three so uh i'm gonna update my resume i think i'm gonna update my resume and it's just gonna say georgia abrams man of letters Mm -hmm. and people are gonna be like what the fuck and i'm gonna be like if you don't know then i don't want to work for you bye and everyone's gonna feel too dumb to ask so they'll just be like oh yeah definitely yeah she's a man of letters yeah of course We, we we've wanted one of those we've needed one actually Basically, Irving is known as the first American intellectual, <laughs> which says a lot about Americans when, well, first the US settlers, I boy. think. Yeah. He moved up to Terrytown in 1798 to escape an outbreak of yellow fever that had spread to New York from Philadelphia. 
we know what spreading diseases is like, don't we? Because it's 2020. <laughs> uh, he passed the bar exam when he was 23 in 1806. So if you feel unaccomplished, this is not the podcast for you because this happens every episode when someone accomplished something that makes me feel like I've done nothing with my life. I've literally woken up and felt stupid for longer than I can count, which also contributes to why I feel stupid when I wake up. I literally can't count how long it's been since I didn't. It's frustrating. It's been so many days since I felt smart. I, I just, <laughs> that's all my diary is. Today I was dumb. <laughs> and the day. And there's just like a tear stain. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, what's that song? Like, Tear Stain on My Guitar or something? Is that, is that oh, a song? Oh, that dumb Taylor Swift song, Teardrops t- on My Guitar. I get on wrong. Something oh, that, like that makes more sense. That sounds like real things. Like, I, can you imagine how long you'd have to cry on a guitar to stain it? Like, Gross. so long. Yeah. So, salt water is just bad for the wood if you're using an acoustic guitar, I guess. I don't know. I guess, but you also might just have very acidic tears. As someone who detests Taylor Swift, I would like to say it is teardrops on my guitar and uh after she broke up with joe jonas in a text in roughly 2009 uh he wrote a song and uh called her out for that stupid line and it was a good time for me nice Uh, also joe jonas is a hero he really is the best jonas you know so he also had written several essays most of them seem to be social commentary and several of them were definitely satirical so i think that's important to keep in mind as we discuss sleepy hollow uh he also in 1809 he wrote a humorous account of new york's dutch history called a history of new york by a guy named diedrich knickerbocker so yeah i also because i heard a lot of this information on and that's why we drink when M covered it, and they said that in their research, they found that Washington Irving was the one who coined the term Knickerbocker to mean someone from New York, you know, like the New York Knicks or whatever. So I did not I know that that's that what that meant. A Knickerbocker, yeah, a Knickerbocker is someone from New York. My parents love sports. I've known about the New York Knicks my entire life. I did not know that yeah. that's, man, this is crazy. The Knicks is short for Knickerbockers, yeah. I hope everyone's learning as much as me right now. Hopefully everyone just (laughs) pooped their pants simultaneously in the same fashion that I pooped my pants just now. So, you know, life happens, and then the War of 1812 happened, which we talked about two episodes ago. Mm -hmm. And he traveled to England to take care of some business, but while he was there, he got to meet Sir Walter Scott, who was the guy who translated that poem about the asshole earlier. Mm Mm-hmm. And they became friends, they hung out, and I think that Sir Walter Scott kind of reminded Washington Irving of what his passions were and kind of, like, re-energized him and got him excited to write. And we all need that sometimes, it's okay. He had a passion for fashion, but that was slightly changed to writing, so... Uh, Sir Walter Scott is pretty famous himself. He's a Scottish dude, he is a politician and a judge. He wrote... Rob Roy, Ivanhoe, and a ton of other novels and poetry and short stories and lots of historical accounts as well. And he translated The Wild Huntsman to English like we talked about. So maybe inspired by The Wild Huntsman, 
Washington Irving writes a book called The Sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon, which is the in seven parts between 1890 and 1820. And this was a collection of short stories and maybe some other short pieces of writing. A lot of them were about England, but six of the chapters were very Americana, I guess you could call it. Mm, yes, and this quite. is... Shots of espresso, quite. hot water, Americana. That's where we are right now. Bibbidi-bobbidi to you too. I can't smell my coffee. Uh, speaking of... You just missed Georgia shoving her entire hand into her left <laughs> nostril. It was disgusting. It's like watching a snake eat a mouse, but a, a nose hole It's eating a hand. In case, uh, in case you didn't have nightmares. Dude, I had a wild nightmare the other day. That's not relevant to this. Anyway, (laughs) yeah, thanks for the nightmares, George. Oh, wait, no, I had a dream last night that I don't know where you were, but I was talking, Hope was in a car and I was outside the car and Hope was like, can you get Stu to order some like retail Ethiopia for us? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, if Stu can get me some retail Ethiopia, I will pay to have it sent here. I need more coffee. I'm not gonna lie, part of your Christmas shit is probably gonna be, like, stuff from the coffee shop, especially stuff that Rodina's, like, doesn't have. Yes. Today I told him that I wanted him to, uh, to take you guys some of that turmeric ginger chai, so it's so good. It sounded so good. All I want for Christmas (laughs) is stew. Yeah. Guys, fans of guys, gals, ghouls, oh, I'm pissed, never mind, um, and we're stopping the podcast. So I started listening okay. to my brother, my brother and me, Mabim Bam, and they, uh, they're part of a podcast network called Maximum Fun, and like uh-huh. a lot of their stuff sounds very interesting. I'm excited to eventually listen to some of this stuff. But on one of them, it is a spooky podcast, and she opens it, Hi Gals and Ghouls. And I was like, is that a McFucking copyright? <laughs> or- <laughs> Are you about to have me drive to your home to fight you? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I was living. Hey, I was screaming. I'm so mad. The podcast mm. sounds interesting, but fuck you, man. Like, what? Um, I forgot what else I was going to say. I got so mad just now. I got sweaty for a second. You can keep going, George. Oh, hot dang, I'm sweaty now. Ugh. Oh, speaking of other podcasts, let's give a shout out to Samuel Weiner. Oh yeah, our, the show. our boy Ween. Yeah, um, he's a really cool, very charismatic guy. I love Sam. Yeah, he just has his own podcast. First episode is launching on Sunday, so probably around the time or slightly before this goes live. It's called The Juice, J-E-W-C-E, uh, and it's probably going to be great, so you should check it out. In case anyone's confused, like probably everyone is that doesn't know Sam, he's Jewish, so he's that's Jewish. what that is. Um, his logo is like... A cocktail glass with a mic in it. So yeah, that's like a cocktail it. stick. Yeah, yeah dude, it's, it's pretty, pretty sick. It's, I like it. We love, we love yep. Sam. We stand Sam here. We stand all Sam's. We many alcoholic drinks, that's for sure. Yeah, man, I think I love every Sam I've ever met. Weird blanket statement, but I'm like pretty sure it's true. Okay, so all right, cool. Yeah, yeah. podcast. <laughs> the uh, the sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon, uh, published anonymously. Hey, I like that name. I'm a, I'm cool with it. It's like Harold so, of the Purple Crayon. Stupid. This, this is where we find both Rip Van Winkle and The Legend of Sweetly Beat 
Sleepy Hollow, which are his two most favorite stories. And they both happen to be based on German folktales. Do you know what Rip Van Winkle is about? Yeah, he's a, it's about a, a tiny wrinkled man. Tiny it's about wrinkle, a guy, Rip Van Winkle. It's about a guy who falls asleep for 20 years, and when he wakes up, his wife had died married, and America was independent from Britain. And he was like, what the fuck did I sleep through? Yeah, that's a end. wild nap, my guy. So <laughs> right? I sleep for like... 14 hours and i'm just like what year is it this guy literally slept and woke up i was like what year is it <laughs> right saying could you imagine going to sleep in 2000 and waking up today like going oh, to sleep God. and destiny's child is on tour right now you know like i think friends is still on yeah friends is still on and has like three seasons to go when you yeah. go to sleep it's there's... And fashion is awful and yes. haircuts are terrible yes. and music was not too great yet well but then you woke up and you it's a pandemic and everyone's openly racist now and the economy's going to shit and so. the president is a reality show and it's awful what year? you can't you can't vote them off oh uh what year did that movie with with trump come out uh home alone 2 lost in new york what year did that come out <laughs> catch me knowing almost everything about the home alone franchise 1992 Whoa, oh the movie's old as shit. Okay, dang. Oh, Macaulay Culkin is old as shit. I forgot. Never mind. Yeah, keep going. Um, but the Apprentice TV show didn't start until two thousand four. So his last famous thing, I feel like his daughter's or his daughter was probably famous. No, he doesn't have a daughter. That's uh. Yeah, he does. No, he doesn't. Oh, Ivanka he does. Trump. No, I'm thinking of uh Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton. I'm thinking of another uh, like yeah. hotel person. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's another story. But imagine going to sleep and you're like, man, I'm glad I watched Home Alone 2 Lost to New York last night. It's seven <laughs> years old, but it's a fantastic film. And you wake up and you're like, that's you. You're you're Donald Trump. And he's like himself. And you just get sad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the sketchbook was the first American publication to gain international success. And this is what encouraged washington Irwin to continue writing but no one knew that jeffrey crayon was him at this point and he traveled around britain some more and germany and spain and austria and france and then uh, around the u.s some more or what was the u.s at the time and then he went back to live in tarrytown and lived happily ever after ish i guess um he was supposed to be admired by edgar Allan poe who in turn inspired lovecraft so that's cool all right, let's get into the story. I'm going to give a quick overview kind of thing. It's narrated by a guy named Diedrich Knickerbocker. I think that's just a name he liked to use. It's very descriptive and flowery in the beginning. It's only like, it's not that long. So, and it's public domain. So you can find it online if you want to read it. Uh, it's 1790, and we're in this fictional town of Sleepy Hollow, which people believe is based on the real Terrytown. And that's near the site where the Battle of White Plains happened, which was in 1776 in the War of Independence, where a Hessian soldier got his head blown off by a cannonball. That sucks. But, like, what if Terrytown was just a town where Terry Crews was the mayor? Let's just, let's just, like... I would live there. Right? That sounds fantastic. Uh, but it's Terrytown with an A. Wampum. Oh, that's, yeah, that's pretty wacky. Yeah. 
So North Terrytown would eventually change its name to Sleepy Hollow in 1996. So that's now where Sleepy Hollow actually is. There's also Sleepy Hollow in Illinois, and they do like a big headless thing for Halloween. And I'm going to see if I can figure out if they're doing it this year. And if so, I'm going to make Carly go with me to check it out. Uh, it's up by Chicago, I think. So it might be kind of a drive, but... But now the real life old Dutch church is there where the head the horseman is supposed to be buried. And there's Sleepy Hollow Cemetery where Washington Irving is Washington Irving is buried. And uh, there's Sleepy Hollow in Terrytown, and then there's also Irvington, which they named after Washington Irving, obviously. They actually named him after uh, there's a basketball player that has Irving in his name, and I'm so disappointed in myself for not knowing. Holy crap. I don't know basketball things. No, he, I'm pretty I sure he was in Space Jam. I used my one basketball facts. Pretty sure he was in Space Jam. Kyrie uh, Irving. He oh, is in the new Space Jam that is allegedly coming out, and he was also in the movie Uncle Drew. Um, that's it. I'll take it. Fun Sweet. fact. <laughs> So the Hessians were German soldiers from two different states in Germany. It looks like Hesse Castle and Hesse Hanau. So Hessian is a term applied to those two uh, groups of people from those regions. And it was a term that the Patriot armies came up with. And they are typically described as mercenaries, but more accurately, they were just an auxiliary army to the uh, British and he describes a dreamy atmosphere of the area with superstitious town folk. Like, it's named Sleepy Hollow as a way to describe how you feel when you're there. You're, like, dreamy. You get caught up in the moment. No, I kind tortured. of imagine that... You're, you're looking too far into it. You walk in, you are sleepy, and you are hollow, and you are nothing <laughs> yeah. else. You are not hungry, thirsty, This spicy. is what everyone else said. So, I imagine it as being... Like when it's foggy and raining outside and you just want to sit on the couch by the window with a book and you try and a cat and that's how you, and a cardigan and a blanket. Which cat? That's all of them. I, I, I don't want that. That's too much. Oh, okay. Maybe it's uh, like diamond My cat's been real cool. My cat's been real cute lately. So is hot dog. Let's just remember. <laughs> Showing his nutsack to the world. Dude, hot dog is so lewd. <laughs> let me tell you. That little boy, he's just doing doing what he wants to do. It's because he's ginger. <laughs> it's a common trait. Uh, Georgia speaks from experience. I do. Uh, do, 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 do. Some people thought that him describing it that way could be a metaphor for yellow fever, like a, a miasma more than a fog, you know, that you can't escape from, which is gross, but kind of cool, but I also don't think it fits with the rest of the commentary that's made throughout the story, if that makes sense. So, the town is haunted by the apparition of a headless Hessian soldier who searches for his head after it was blown off by a cannonball. Uh, the main character is Ichabod Crane. He is tall and gangly, sounds kind of ugly, uh, but still somehow kind of a ladies' man. <laughs> like they talk about. What, uh, it'll come up in a minute, so hold on. He's a schoolmaster, which I guess back then meant he got a rotating schedule, a free room and board, so he would just take turns staying with different families for free. 
and they would feed him and then but he didn't make that much money from being a teacher but that made up for it kind of mm-hmm. and schoolmasters were kind of respected because they were some of the only people that would travel outside of their communities and they also because they stayed in all these different houses they got to know all the hot gossip from behind the scenes and they're good with kids and they are presumed to be intelligent because they're literate at the time when maybe not a lot of people are and they seem to be cultured so uh oh yeah his nose is described as looking like a weather vane among other things (laughs) that make him sound not hot wow a shade (laughs) yeah he is into Katrina Van Tassel, probably because her family has the biggest farm in the community and they're rich. And there's also this guy named Brom Bones, who sounds kind of like Gaston, but not a total douchebag. How many eggs does he eat, though? Good question. I don't know. Priorities. Yeah. And so he's dating Katrina and everyone likes him. And he, like when you watch... Tim Burton, Sleepy Hollow, you know, you have, you feel empathetic for Johnny Depp as a character for Ichabod Crane, but this story makes him not seem that likable. Um, Some people questioned whether Washington Irving was gay because he writes Ichabod as being obsessed with food. Even when he's fantasizing about Katrina or other women, he thinks more about what they're good at cooking or what kind of animals are on their farms and stuff like that. But I think that this is a tool used to describe how greedy Ichabod Crane is and like what kind of person he is in that way. Or he's just hungry. And that he's described as being like really tall and gangly. So Yeah, I'm just Which, you're just describing me right now and I'm upset about it. This is a it kind of attack. reminded me of a Wendigo though, because he's described oh. as a greedy character, but he's tall and skinny and he's always thinking about food. So yeah. I think it was I really just think it's some metaphor for greed. Yeah. Um, similarly, similarly, people have interpreted that fact as a representation of famine at the time, but I, I still think it's about greed. So that's my, that's my less educated opinion on the matter. Even Katrina, he doesn't really, it doesn't really seem to be that he likes her. He just likes that her family has the biggest farm and that, it would be uh, in his financial gain if you were to marry her. So he tries to like slip in there, whatever, you know, giving her singing lessons, getting invited for dinner, telling ghost stories. But he's also superstitious. So he'll like stay at places and tell ghost stories and then creep himself out when he's walking home in the dark later, <laughs> which I would probably do too. Yeah, it's on brand. Uh, but also Brom and his friends always like, play tricks on him and little pranks that just scare him even more on the way home so one day he gets an invitation to the van tassels for a party so he goes to that and there's that weird 1700s dancing going on and then people start telling stories from the revolutionary war and that turns into ghost stories which i think if you tell ghost stories all the time you would run out but whatever mm-hmm. So this time he's riding a horse home and he gives himself the willies thinking about (laughs) all the ghost stories. And he's approaching this bridge and notices that he's being followed by someone on a horse who shadows his riding. So like matches his pace all the time to stay the same distance behind him. 
And Ichabod's like, I don't think that dude has a head. So he starts going faster, as riding faster towards the church. And then his saddle slips off. And so he's like riding bareback towards the church. What, and he turns around in time to see the horseman stand up on his horse and throw his head at Ichabod. Which is just rude. That is that is just really rude, but also really funny. <laughs> yeah. So it hits him in his own head, and this makes him fall off his horse, and the horseman rides past him and disappears. And the next morning, Gunpowder, the horse, is in the village, but no one has seen Ichabod, so they go looking for him, and all they find near the bridge is Ichabod's hat and a smashed pumpkin. No one in the village ever sees him again, and Brahm and Katrina get married, and Brahm laughs whenever the smashed pumpkin is brought up during ghosty spooky time. But the narrator reports that Ichabod is alive and just moved on to more available women, probably. That makes sense, yeah. I like the, yeah. did the story say probably, or are you inferring that that was... So, um, I mean, he went on to be like a lawyer or something in the story, so... Hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a historian named Elizabeth Bradley who says of Sleepy Hollow that Irving cleverly weaves together factual locations, some actual family names, and a little bit of Revolutionary War history with pure imagination and fantasy, which makes it a melting pot of a story and thus totally American. And because America as an independent country was so new, they didn't have their own culture, I say, in quotation marks uh or folklore or any famous americans yet the story americans the story is historically significant for being that first american story but that's also why the influences from the european folklore were so important because they were familiar enough to people so the story was easier to consume but it was also different enough that it was American instead of European, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then there's a Gothic studies professor named Franz Potter who says <laughs> the thing, like I mentioned earlier, that the horseman is representative, representative of a past that haunts you. <laughs> no thanks. Um, and one of the things I found interesting is the fact that there's a real emphasis on oral storytelling here. Um if you read it, it would go more into depth, but people don't really respect books that much. They're kind of a joke. The one book that Ichabod Crane carries around with him, he's supposed to be this very learned and intellectual person, but he just carries around, um, oh, what's that guy's name? The Book of Witchcraft. That's like a terrible satanic panic, ridiculous, uh, I can't remember, the famous one hope doesn't know how to google that i know it's um god who's that guy cotton mather it's that one the cotton mather's book on witchcraft and the salem witch trials uh so and it's not a very accurately written book and that's the one book that ichabod crane this intellectual person you know carries around with him and is always referencing and then other books are used to patch up like holes and windows and stuff there you know books are not so i thought that was interesting uh doo -doo -doo. and people have put forward that this is a satirical comment on the fact that stories aren't 
always reliable and that we as rational humans need to question things, which seems very relevant right now. And this is a story written down by a guy who heard it at least secondhand 30 years after it was supposed to have happened. And Ichabod is made to look like a gullible idiot for believing everything and getting creeped out so easily. Looking at you, Trump supporters. (laughs) So in comparison, the movie, the Tim Burton movie, is definitely different from the story. We are shaming you for not watching it. We're all taking a moment to judge you. I would the like to are... take a moment for everyone <laughs> at one time to say shame as you are listening to this podcast for the first time. On three, two, one. All right, thank you. I've been slightly strengthened by your salt. Slightly. <laughs> but I'll watch the movie. Not because Georgia wants me to, but for the listeners. It's also spooky season, and it's a great spooky season movie. That's true. Uh, so, the effects are not great. But it's from 1999, and it's a Tim Burton movie, so what do you expect? There's a ton of fainting in it too, which is a very Lovecraftian element. He's always got grown-ass men fainting in his stories, and Ichabod faints all the time, so I thought that was funny. You have Johnny Depp as Ichabod and Christina Ricci as Katrina. And if that wasn't enough, you also have Christopher Lee, Michael Gambon, Miranda Richardson, who... So you got two Harry Potter people right there, Michael Gambon and uh, Miranda Richardson, who is uh, Rita Skeeter, for the record. And then uh, Christopher Walken, who never actually speaks in this movie, but goes a lot, and it's amazing. Another difference is that Ichabod is a constable instead of a school teacher, and he is sent to Sleepy Hollow. A constable. He's a constable, yeah. He sent Sleepy Hollow from New York to investigate some murders because bodies keep showing up missing their heads, which are never found. And he's really squeamish and wimpy, but he's still smart and not superstitious. And he's, you know, got all of these tools that he's invented himself and all these diagrams that he's drawn from autopsies that he's probably done. And he's trying to figure out, you know, what's going on with the bodies. And I think his mom was killed in a witch hunt, it sounds like, or something like that. Um, townspeople are all still super superstitious like in the book the story the hessians are described in the movie as real battle hungry mercenaries <laughs> and christopher walken doesn't get his head blown off by a cannonball it's cut off by american soldiers in this version and the chase scene is towards the beginning of the movie and it's still braum playing a prank but you know, in the story, that's that's the climax of the story. Mm-hmm. But in the movie, it's uh, definitely towards the beginning. There is a definite element of supernatural, because there's a bunch of witchcraft going on, and some spooky evil, black magic kind of witchcraft. And Brahm is not that great in the story. He's not all Gaston-like, and he dies like a lame and uh, yeah, that's dumb. The best bit is at the end when Ichabod gets the skull. This is a thing that happens. You're just going to have to wait for it. Hope knows what I'm talking about. Ichabod gets uh, the skull and he chucks it to the horseman to like give his head back to him. And he catches it like it's no big deal. And then he just sticks it back on his head. And then all the special effects like make it back, you know, his face, his musculature and everything comes back on. And then it turns back into Christopher Walken's face. And then he pulls the witch up on his horse and gives her 
the rapiest look with these like pointy teeth that he has and then they go off to hell together and it's it's great i mean how You're... did they get to hell though did they take a street a road or a highway to hell um they take a under tree tunnel system so i don't know like a highway kind of yeah sure do you even know that that's a song nope <laughs> god i hate you so much sometimes <laughs> headless legends in pop culture in the opening credits i don't talk about the simpsons treehouse of horror enough i don't reference it often but I even if you don't like The Simpsons, I highly recommend that everybody watches The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. It's their Halloween episode. They do one every year. And it's amazing. They're always three short stories and they do spoofs on all kinds of different horror stories. And it's some of it's one of my favorite things to watch at Halloween. Uh, and they're all on Disney Plus right now. So 10 out of 10. Anyway, uh, but you one can also of watch the... Brink on Disney Plus, and that is a fifteen out of ten movie. Get out! I love Brink; uh, it's so good. <laughs> I need more people to talk to about Brink. I need someone to watch it. Please, someone watch Brink. <laughs> anyway, the intros are always different. You know how like the Futurama intros always have like random little things that are changed. Mm-hmm. So one of the Treehouse of Horror episodes has Krusty the Clown holding his laughing head and he throws it at the camera. So a little Sleepy Hollow reference there. Two episodes of Scooby-Doo I watched last week. One is when they find the portrait of the guy above a fireplace and he's pointing at something and the villain is dressed up as the guy in the portrait, but a headless version. But it turns out he's not actually a villain. He's just a descendant of the guy in the portrait who wants to keep people away from the house while he looks for this treasure that the portrait is supposed to be pointing at. But someone had moved the portrait, so it wasn't actually pointing at the treasure, so no one can find it. But then Scooby finds at the end when he does something stupid. That sounds right. He eats an entire sub sandwich one bite, then has to take a big old poop and goes outside, (laughs) digs a little hole, and then just like, oh, treasure. There it is. Treasure. The other is about there was another episode of Scooby Doo about the actual headless horseman, and it starts off on Halloween with the Scooby Gang being at a costume party at the Crane's Manor, of course, some like great great descendant of Ichabod, and it's built on the battle site where the soldier, uh, where the the battle happened. And it also has Scooby Dumb in it, which I don't know if you remember is Scooby's what? awful hillbilly cousin. Yes. He's like the gray one with the hat. Mm-hmm. So terrible. It's well, not great. But do you like him more or less than Scrappy? I like him probably more because he doesn't show up as often and uh, he gets less screen time. That's fair. <laughs> uh... The Headless Horseman shows up outside the party and he's got a pumpkin head and he's like, I want a real head. But he's actually just a dude trying to steal uh, an expensive necklace. Yeah. And then for all my British crime series people out there, there's an episode of Midsummer Murder about a Headless Horseman haunting a family. And every time you, if you see it, it then you're going to be the next one to die. One of the guys in it. It's one of those shows where, like, everyone who is someone in TV these days, 
was in an episode of this like early in their career orlando bloom is in an episode of it from like the early 90s way back in the day and he plays a dick that gets murdered and it's great but the guy you guys watch shirika right no i've only seen like half of the first season and it's on my list but i've never actually like done it that and warehouse 13 are both like high-ish up on my sci-fi list did you watch battlestar galactica Nope, that is also high up on my sci-fi list. <laughs> Never mind. I so know. The guy, the guy in the episode, we were watching it not that long ago, and Stu was like, that guy looks familiar. And he goes, oh, it's... So, not really spoilers, it's a big major plot point, but in like season four of Eureka, they go back in the past, and one of the founders of Eureka ends up coming to the present with them. Mm-hmm. This is the guy that was in this midsummer murder headless horseman episode and i was like holy shit it's that guy but i was like i kept thinking the whole time i feel like i know him from something else well for anyone who knows what i'm talking about he also plays gaius in battlestar galactica which he looks way different he looks really nerdy in eureka and I don't know, I thought he was kind of hot in Battlestar Galactica. So. If he's in Battlestar Galactica and he's in Eureka, I don't know how to tell you, he's a nerd. <laughs> he's like, a nerd. I, he just is. Um, that's all my pop culture I got. I didn't really try that hard, though. I just thought of the obvious ones. My I feel turn. like there's headless stuff in everything. There is. Oh, Hope looks very upset, so I feel like she has What fun. did I miss? Nearly headless Nick. Oh, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. My bad. Who's not allowed to be in the headless hunt. Poor guy. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize, I don't know if I just forgot this or what, but it wasn't until I was watching the that movie this week. And I was like, oh, he can't be in the headless hunt because you steal people's heads and his isn't attached all the way. Got it. That made me feel like a dum-dum. It's okay. We still love you, even if it's you're fine. stupid. <laughs> I just have my dumb, I have stupid moments. The only pop culture I had regarding headless people is actually about Adulahan from the anime Dururada, which is one of my favorite anime of all time. So good. Um, lots of like different storylines that kind of like collide like together. So you follow a main you follow the main character who moves to the city for like one reason or another, and he kind of sucks. And he I don't want to spoil it. It's it's a lot. It's yeah. Every main character in the show has a unique storyline that ends up being related to somebody or multiple people's storylines. But one of the storylines in that is that a scientist who's super brilliant and like really weird um, is in love with a Dulahan that he found, and her name is Selty. So he was, I think he was like in Ireland, Scotland, whatever place you said Dulahans are from. Ireland. Ireland, thank you. Uh, when he found her, and she was like the kind, she was a headless figure riding a horse that had a cloak of mist and kind of like trailed mist behind her. But when they came to the new world, she was like, oh, no one looks like this anymore. So instead of a robe, she wears a like leather riding outfit. And instead Ooh. of a horse, she has a motorcycle that she, dope. I forgot what she calls it. But it's a name that's related to a horse, and everyone in the city knows that there's like a ghost Steed. around somewhere. Yeah, um, and every like oh, no. before you see her, you hear a horse like 
whinnying or neighing, like subdued or like directly under the sound of a motorcycle revving. And it is really, really cool. And her storyline is she's trying to find her head because it was taken like somewhere and she wants it back. So yeah, instead of just having a stump, she wears a motorcycle helmet that has cat ears. It's very cute. Would recommend. Uh, I actually have a wall scroll of it in the other room. It's very, very good. The name of the show also refers to the sound a motorcycle makes. So multiple layers of it. Lots of history. Lots of... Like lots of lots of everything. I love it. It's so good. Insane intro. My favorite outro of all time as well. Nice. Oh yeah, dude. And I don't know. I don't think people just don't have uh in Overwatch the Farah skin that I've had for the last two years is her headless skin. Though she normally has like armor because she's a woman that flies. Like she has like jetpacks. Um so for that skin, she's wearing a suit of knight's armor that doesn't have a head. So that's pretty cool. You can't really tell half the time, but when uh, for her victory pose, she is normally holding something. She holds her head, and there's just like mist like coming out of it. It's pretty sick. What would recommend everyone play Overwatch? That's nice. all I got. I don't think I really. Yeah, I don't watch or read. Yeah, mostly I just wanted to people. talk about Scooby Doo. I think so, which I've done several times today. That we also right. rented, uh, you know, since we don't have internet, we have to rely on DVDs. We went to the Red Box on our way back into town today, and we rented that new Scooby movie that came out in the spring. And I don't really know anything about it, honestly, but I was like, whatever, why not? Let's check it out. So that's what we're going to watch tonight. I I just texted Stu and I was like, you turn the grill on because we're grilling some food. Nice. (laughs) I was like, turn it on because I want to eat when I get home. And I also want to take a shower and I want to go to bed. Yeah. It's been Uh, a long day. I only have bad things that I know about that Scooby movie. So I hope that it's actually good, so it kind of outweighs the bad things, but... I don't really expect it to be great, but I feel at this point in my life, if something Scooby-Doo-esque is coming out, I'm gonna watch it regardless, just to, like, be informed, you know? Mm. I thought the live-action movie from the 2000s was terrible, but I still watched it. It's so good! Scooby-Doo thing. Scooby-Doo the movie and Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed are classics! They're so good! whatever uh (laughs) not even gonna go into that but uh like they're fun i guess but i also i've said this before and i will say it till the day i die i am just a real big fan of the og original scooby-doo series the classic episodes those are my faves that's just because you're in love with casey Kasem. i do love casey Kasem. You are correct. Oh, speaking of Casey Kasem, thank you for listening to today's episode of Broadcast from the Belfry. If you liked what you heard and if and or if you like Casey Kasem, you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. You also can reach us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram by searching Broadcast from the Belfry or by emailing us at broadcastfromthebelfry at gmail.com. We also do have a link tree in the description, so you can just click that and see all of our links. And it's very convenient for everybody. Thank you to Marshall for making our intro. You make us sound so much more professional than we really are, especially with my new job. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, and I am constantly 
reminded when I listen to any other podcast intro or outro how much I love ours. So thank you so much. You can hit him up as well if you would like some sweet Muzak to accompany your life. Uh, we, like Georgia said, a couple weeks left for Lovecraft Country. Please watch it. It's super sick. Show's insane. Literally insane. Every episode, I'm just looking left. I'm looking right. I'm like, I'm like that scene in Ratatatouille where the rats are running everywhere and Linguini's just trying to make food. Also, who names their son Linguini? That's beside the point. Um, Alfredo? I think that's all oh, I've got. I want pasta. God. Yeah, me too. Did I forget anything? I don't think so. Dude, sick. I got everything right the first time. Uh, <laughs> thank you to everybody that volunteered to receive our newsletter. We really appreciate it. You're the best test group ever. We love you. We'll, mm-hmm. I don't know, send you hugs and kisses via the internet, which is definitely a good way to get COVID. So don't look forward to that email. It'll be like that episode of NCIS where someone mails anthrax to the team because that was an mm-hmm. actual storyline. Someone for real just mailed anthrax. It, it, yeah, it's bananas. Uh, yeah, do you have anything else, Georgia? Nope. All right, so what do we say to the kids that aren't going to get an anthrax, are going to be safe so they don't get COVID, and who are going to, above all, keep their heads on their shoulders? Thanks for listening and stay spooky. Da-da-da-da, sluts. Hey, Billy. I found a new 